What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Live. Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and as always, I have with me my amazing co-host, Brittany. How are you today, Brittany? Good say. I'm doing great. Um, I'm sitting in one of the rooms, so I was like, oh, I'm going to get a break from the cats. And now I hear a million cats trying to claw at a door. Yeah, if you have cats, there is no privacy. You can never close the door in hopes that you can get away from them. They will always find a way to get in. And if they can't get in, they'll make enough noise that you'll eventually go, oh, my God, just come the fuck in already. I know, you're like, you know what, I give in, I give in. I give in at this point, but um, uh, yeah, so Brittany, today is Memorial Day, so how are you doing? I'm good, I slept all day, I got back from Texas, so you know, I was like, you know, I'm really tired, I went to bed last night, and I woke up, and I was like, oh god, it's like two in the afternoon. Yeah, so originally, like, three weeks ago, we had all planned on going to the beach, enjoying Memorial Day, because, you know, that's really what people do on Memorial Day. Uh, It is, you know, the start of summer, usually, start of the beaches, and it was crap today. It was, like, 50 degrees, it was cloudy. um, 50 degrees there? Oh, my God. Yes, but now at 7 o'clock, the sun is fully out, and it's about 70 degrees. So, you know what, weather? Screw you. (laughs) I I feel that on an emotional level. I do, of course, want to say that, of course, we all know what the true meaning of Memorial Day is. And, of course, we want to thank all of the men and women who, you know, unfortunately lost their lives fighting for us. So, you know, of course, the meaning of Memorial Day is not lost to me. Uh, I do want to say that because I feel that a lot, and listen, I'm not getting on a soapbox or anything. That's not what this is about. But I do feel sometimes people do forget what Memorial Day actually is and in a way get Memorial Day and Veterans Day um, confused. So I do want to say that, yes, of course, we know what the true meaning of Memorial Day is. But um, yeah, that being said, I was upset that we couldn't go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get you. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, what are you doing for Morion? I was like, you're looking at it. Do you yeah. see this? Do you see what I'm doing right now? I'm doing a whole lot of this right now, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I. it's just, I just wish it was a nicer day. But, you know, it's the beginning of summer, and hopefully we will have a lot nicer days. I mean, restrictions are being lifted. It seems as if the world can somewhat try to get back to normal, even though I don't know if nor I, I don't know if you can get through 2020 and still be normal. Um, so, you know, I feel like we'll never truly get back to normal, but you know what I mean. I know what 
what you mean. I know I, I gotta sit there sometimes too, where I'm like, um, you know what? I feel like this is our new normal. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny because what, like a year ago, Dr. Fauci said he was like, everyone's trying to get back to normal, but they have to realize that this is the new normal now. And I think at the time we all kind of said, oh, no, 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 it of course is going to go back to the way it used to be, but I don't know. It didn't exactly work out that way. No, 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 no. But anyway, um, I am very excited to do the top 10. We are doing the top 10 best TV characters um, or the top 10 TV characters. I forget what I named it now at this point, but we'll figure it out in post-production. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so before we hop right into our list, um, two shout-outs. Actually, of course, you know I always have to give a shout-out to our friends over at Stranger Damies. Stranger Damies is a uh, D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. They stream every Wednesday. Um, you know, they have a Twitch. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram at Stranger Damies. Um, Anthony, Mark, and Dan and guests have a great time. They're into, you know, if you're into D&D and you like mysticism and, you know, adventure and a little bit of the 80s nostalgia, please make sure that you check them out. Make sure you let them know that uh, their friends Tia and Brittany sent you because they're a lot of fun. They have another podcast called They Call This a Movie. Um, I've been on it before. It's so it's such a great time. Uh, so please make sure you check out the main Damie. Um, and yeah, and the second uh, shout out I have to give is I recently did a review for the second season of Who Killed Sarah with Jana from the Kind of Nerdy Girls podcast. I've been on the Kind of Nerdy Girls podcast about three times that right now. I have a ton of fun each time I'm on, but I loved the podcast I did with Jana. We reviewed the second season of Who Killed Sarah. We went through all the twists that were in the second season. We gasped, we cried, we swooned. It was a fun time. So please make sure you check it out on YouTube at Geek Vice Podcast. And make sure you give Jana a shout out over at the Kind of Nerdy Girls podcast. You can check them out on Twitter. But Brittany, let's get into our top 10 movie, uh, sorry, top 10 TV characters. Why don't you start <laughs> us off with a number 10? You know, okay. So this isn't me like doing my normal joking thing, okay, right? I'm actually <laughs> legitimately being serious, okay? okay. Are you here with me? Um, I'm going to go with Hannibal from How? the TV show. How did I know that I'm, that I'm was going to happen? Seri- I'm, I'm being serious, though. I'm being serious, though. Because I will say, okay, as a big fangirl, right? And, um, you know, the original Hannibal, at first I was like, oh, everybody's saying this is better than, you know, Sir Anthony Hopkins' version. I was like, I don't know about that. You know, I'm, I, you know, I love who I love. I can't believe they would say that. You know, the normal stuff. Because I'm a little, I'm a little extra like that. You know how it is, to you? <laughs> I, um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this Hannibal, and I'm actually at the point that I do go in between when I'm like, oh, do I like? You know, I think Sir Anthony Hopkins will always hold a certain place in my heart. But um, I'm a lady that likes simple things, and I see new hot Hannibal. Not that Sir Anthony Hopkins is still a very handsome man, uh, but he is old enough to be my grandfather. You know what? I can go with this Hannibal. Um, I mean, technically, 
he's only old enough to be my dad. So it, it's fine then, right, Tia? Right? Please tell me it's okay. <laughs> so, you dug that but, hole for yourself. <laughs> you know I love Hannibal, but, but you know, I really enjoyed his Hannibal because, you know, he's always had like a certain kind of like flair, that very like romantic, almost like, I know it sounds fucked up because it's Hannibal, but you get what I mean. Like, he is very suave, very classy, very holds himself a very certain kind of way that I appreciate. And I think for that, I'm kind of like, man, um, I'm attention to the right way to say this. Sorry, when the cats attacked me, it, it interrupted my train of thought. I don't know if you ever get a cat attack while, while trying to do a podcast. All the time, of course. Honestly, you got a lady, but I don't know. I, you know, they put so much into that show that even though, you know, Hannibal is kind of supposed to be the center of it, but it's not always centered on him himself. But I like that he has a certain kind of air about him where you're like, oh, it's perfectly fine. He kills people because, you know, look how classy he is. He can't be a monster. I mean, look how, look how good he is. New for me personally to find a character that wowed me as much as Anthony Hopkins did. I really thought thought what spoke to the character, and you're starting to see like a big influx of people are like that's kind of like the Hannibal they see now. Even though you know Silence of Lamb, you know when you think of Hannibal, you do normally think of him, but it is where he did such a good job that people are starting to imagine him instead, and I think that speaks a lot for the character itself. Yeah, I um, really like the way Mads Mikkelsen portrayed uh, Hannibal Lecter on the show Hannibal, which ran for three seasons. Um, It was definitely, to me, I thought that Mads Mikkelsen did a good job in still keeping that Hannibal feel while making it his own. Because there are certainly differences between, say, the Hannibal from Silence of the Lambs and the Hannibal from the show Hannibal. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins Hannibal really only, say, ate people when he found them, as you always like to say, you know, less than human. Whereas the Hannibal from the show uh made it seem as if it was a part of his daily diet yeah like there's a part i correct me if i'm wrong because it's been a little while and i need to finish the series uh he has that part where he's like packing his own lunches and other people are yeah. like i think that like go to offer him food and he's like oh no 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 i always bring my own food i have a very special diet that is yeah he says that a few times where he says that he rarely eats out he always often carries his own food because he has a very special diet so that wasn't ever anything I feel explored at least in the movie sense so they certainly um you know they certainly took creative liberties there but um you know the show creator Brian Fuller, who actually was also the person behind the first season of American Gods, he was behind the show Pushing Daisies, always has this very, like, peculiar way of doing TV shows, so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that he decided to get a little weird in the show, but it worked. It worked. It ran for three seasons. The food looks so good, and that's fucked up. (laughs) Well, that will actually go into a show that I'll mention 
a little later in the podcast, but yeah, they did make the show look really good. Uh, I mean, sorry, they did make the food in the show look really good, which was very conflicting considering you knew what went into that food. Yeah, it's fine, Tia. It's, it's totally fine. fine. It's totally fine. Um, But yeah, I absolutely um agree that I think that Hannibal from the show Hannibal is a really great TV character. Uh, people have, because I don't know if you know this, but it ran for three seasons and it was actually canceled. So it never got like a proper um, wrap up. Although yeah. I, I think it got a little bit of a wrap up because they knew that it wasn't going to get renewed. Like I think while they were filming it, but still people have been like championing for a fourth season, which, which goes to show you that there are still people out there who are very much fans of this Hannibal. And I think that, I think it's really does show for how well Van Nicholson did it when people are willing to go, this is our Hannibal. And uh, being able to appreciate him just as well as the other, because you know, that was a lot to live up to because all the awards they won, the fact that he really made such an impression for only showing up a little bit in the actual movie itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think that, honestly, it's a great way to start this podcast. And um, I'm sure that plenty of people will agree with you that this is the Hannibal for them. And honestly, Mads Mikkelsen is amazing. So how could we hate, right? But, it took um, me so long to warm up to him because I was like, this isn't my Hannibal. Now I'm like, okay, I sound. <laughs> yes. But um, let's move on to number nine. Um, I actually, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about like TV characters, right? And I was keeping the, trying to keep these a little bit more modern within the past like five years. So uh, for those who are listening, um, at least on my end, it's not going to be, say, like, the top 10, you know, of all-time TV characters. That could be, like, a multitude of different podcasts. I tried to keep mine within the last, like, five years or so. But I'm honestly going to do Miguel from Cobra Kai. <laughs> I, oh, shit. I like that. First of all, you know I love the show Cobra Kai. And, um... I And I was going to either put, like, Johnny or something like that, but I felt like it was a little unfair considering they originate in a movie and now are just in a TV show. But Miguel was in. So I love Miguel. Miguel is a great character in Cobra Kai. He's introduced in the first season of the show. And he is truly, he truly makes Johnny better. Um, and it's so great, his character, to see him go from this, kid who you know was beaten up he was new and everything and he goes on to be like such a fierce competitor in the karate world and I love that I love the heart that he brings to Johnny I love how he's like he loves Johnny for all of Johnny's flaws right Johnny is you know abrasive at times he's so technologically challenged um (laughs) and miguel is there to kind of like be a guiding hand like hey you can't really say things like that or hey think about it this way and let me help you with you know your website and everything but i just love their like relationship with each other and i loved it in all of seasons one and two but i especially loved it in season three not only because um 
you know, at the end, spoiler alert, but at the end of season two, Miguel got seriously injured in a school fight. And so you have in season three where Johnny's feeling partially responsible and having to like take, you know, give Miguel his life back. Um, But then Miguel also kind of like telling Johnny to stop moping around. Like the, it's really funny. I'll I'll give you two examples of why I love their relationship in season three. Um, John, so at the end of season two, because I know you didn't see it, so spoiler alert for you. I know, I know, but <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I, I, you know how I am with spoilers, I don't give a shit. So at the end of season two, you know, Miguel gets, like, really hurt, and in the third season, it they make it seem as if he may never walk again. And Johnny takes Miguel and is like, I don't accept that. Like, I don't accept that you're never going to walk again. We're going to get you walking again. And because, like, he takes, you know, and it's not just, like, physically that he's helping Miguel. He takes Miguel to, like, a concert and everything. Like, it's such a fun time. And it really helps Miguel, like, gain back his strength and his confidence. And he ends up walking again. And then there's at some point where Johnny in season three is feeling so down because John Kreese has taken control over Cobra Kai. And Johnny's kind of, like, bitching. And Miguel goes, quiet! (laughs) Like how, like, you know, Johnny does to him and everything. And it was like... Like that really stern voice. Yeah, and it's like Miguel telling, like, Johnny, like, I thought you were a winner, you know? Like, I thought you weren't gonna lay down. And Johnny's like, you know what? You're right. And I just love their relationship so much to the point that... (laughs) I hate to say this, but I really couldn't care less about Johnny's actual kid, Robbie. I'm going to say you hate his actual kid. I hate, because first of all, I just, I hate his character. And in season three, he's really away from Johnny. And at the end of season three, um, Robbie picks John Kreese over Johnny. It's like, it. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like their, like, I just don't like Robbie, but I love Miguel. Um, I just love everything that Miguel brings into the table um and i loved especially that you know he had flaws right in season one he wasn't the best boyfriend right and you know maybe he got a little arrogant and he you know in his fighting and stuff like that but like he developed so well and i think that he is such a great touchstone in the show that if the show ever got rid of him I don't feel like it would be the same show. I almost feel like with Miguel, it's like a lot of times you have like villains to heroes, but it's very not often seen that you see the hero become the villain and then have come back from that. Yeah, no, exactly. And I do want to say also, I'm super excited for Cobra Kai season four. They just confirmed that Terry Silver, who was the villain of Karate Kid 3, will be coming to Cobra Kai season four. Everybody's obsessed with that. And I don't remember him. I'm sure my dad remembers him. You guys, you know, my dad's who I always loved watching it with. But I cannot think of who that was. And if I rewatched it, I think I would go, oh, shit, yep. Yep, he's a bad dude. So I'll give you a quick recap because, you know, I never watched 
First of all, I never watched the first Karate Kid before Cobra Kai, and I haven't seen any of the other Karate Kid movies. But this is what I've seen in, like, research and, like, clips and everything. So really quick, right? I'll make this quick. In Karate, you- in Karate Kid uh, 3, John Kreese calls upon Terry Silver, who was an old-time war buddy of his. Who they served together um, and pretty much tells him how, like, Cobra Kai isn't doing well, blah, blah, blah. Terry Silver, who is really wealthy from toxic waste dumping. That's why he's wealthy. So he's already a shit person. And and he pretty much concocts this whole entire plot to get Daniel to leave Mr. Miyagi and train with him and mentally and physically manipulates Daniel and then at the end, pretty much reveals that he never cared for Daniel at all. This was all a way to get him to go against his, like, principles and actually become a member of Cobra Kai and actually go away from Mr. Miyagi. And pretty much, like, laughs in his face because um, he, like, uh, Daniel for this whole time thought John Kreese was dead. And at the end of the movie, Terry Silver's like, ha ha ha, John Kreese isn't dead. We've actually been working together and I manipulated you this whole entire time. You little shit. Um, So, you know, it was very mentally and physically uh, damaging to Daniel. And just in, say, Cobra Kai lore, really quick, um, in season one, when Johnny wants to get Cobra Kai into the karate tournament, they say, oh, well, it looks like there was a lifetime ban uh, on Cobra Kai because of Terry Silver. And Johnny's like, you know, I don't know who the fuck that is because Johnny wasn't in Karate Kid 3. Um, and it's because, so pretty much Terry Silver initially got Cobra Kai banned from the karate tournament because of how bad he was. And then in season three of Cobra Kai, it keeps showing flashbacks of John Kreese in the Vietnam War. And essentially, he saved Terry Silver. And Terry Silver said, like, for life, man, for life, anything you need, I am here for you. And at the end of Cobra Kai season three, you see John Kreese looking at a picture of him and his squad and then making a phone call and going, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, So it's like they've been teasing. They've been teasing the return of Terry Silver for a long time. So pretty much what I can gather is that he's like the worst villain ever. <laughs> and not yeah, in, that makes sense. And not in like he's a shitty way in like, oh shit, this is a bad guy. It's like, with, I think with Chris, it's kind of like, you're like, oh, he's older. You know, when he was in his prime, Mr. Miyagi could beat his ass, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like with that, you didn't really have an issue. But with now, you're like, okay, you know, Drake could still beat him. But with Terry Silver, I think he's younger. And it's he's like, a- oh, that dude can still beat our fucking ass. I think he's supposed to be a little younger, even though the two of them did serve in the war. So maybe they're around the same age. But it they made it seem, at least again from the clips I saw, that he's a much more brutal fighter than John Kreese's. And I think because he's a little bit of a mustache-twirling villain, so he's a little bit more sadistic than John Kreese. <laughs> I, I can see that, because, you know, it was saying with Kreese, it's like, you know, he did try to kill Johnny, and Mr. Miyagi was like, hey, don't fucking do that. Uh, but with Terry, I feel like it is, like, someone that's, like, 
you know, he thinks it a lot more out than, oh, just brutal beating. Right. Like, well, and that's the whole point of Karate Kid 3 is that he literally planned out this entire plan of like, I'm going to manipulate this kid <laughs> because Daniel's still a kid at this point. And he's like, I'm going to manipulate this kid into leaving Mr. Miyagi. Like, you have to think about that, like, how dedicated he was to Mr. Miyagi. And then in the third movie for him to, like, leave Mr. Miyagi and go train with this guy instead was pretty, like, insane. But, yeah, so cannot wait for Cobra Kai season four. What'd you say? I have to, like, talk to Dad about that, too, because I know he's caught up in stuff and be like, do you do you really remember Terry Silver? Because I bet he's going to be like, bro. <laughs> yes, how well, could I if, not? If your dad is caught up with Cobra Kai Season 3, he probably already knows that they're approaching Terry Silver because even me, who's not seen it, like, I like pretty much said to myself, oh, that's who John Kreese is calling. Who else would he be calling other than Terry Silver? But it, <sighs> Cobra Kai Season 3 was so good. Alright, and I already showed you the end of it. But Daniel and Johnny teaming up and training all of their kids together to go up against John Kreese, like, it's about to be war. <laughs> so, so I was laughing at the, the sirens. I know, of course, just as I said, it's going to be war. But yeah. <laughs> Miguel oh is an God. awesome character and cannot wait to see more of him in Cobra Kai Season 4. So that's my number 9. Uh, Brittany, what's your number 8? I'm going to go with... Da, 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 da. I think I'm going to go with Lucifer from Supernatural. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. You know, because one little, a little known fact about me and Tia is we were obsessed with Supernatural at some point. We went to a convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to two. Awesome. I went to, to two conventions. Oh, I forgot because you went with uh, you went with Cindy, didn't you? I went with Cindy to one in New Jersey. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. Everything's so like accessible to you, you bitch. Not <laughs> sure, <laughs> but uh, no. Um, you know, we love Supernatural, but they did get into a point where it got very convoluted. And it's like, there's only so much you can be like, ha And also, like, not to be, like, super, like, just a certain way, they kill off everyone. You get attached to a character, they're dead. Benny, dead. Charlie, dead. Everyone, dead. You like a character, dead. Are they female? Dead. Well, and not for nothing... And that was, yes, that was the thing. It's like, if you were a woman on Supernatural, you're going to die. Sorry. Bye. Um, and I will say, I, really, interest. I, I will say really quick, because um, I want to continue hearing about your Lucifer, but I didn't watch this, the series finale of Supernatural, but I heard what happened because, you know, I was on Twitter. So I decided to just kind of keep up with everyone live tweeting. And I know how the series ended. And I was like, man, if I was still watching Supernatural, I would be fuming. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I feel like, I feel like the fandom had such an influence on that show. Because I felt like they wouldn't, like, spoiler alert, I feel like they wouldn't have done the official ship of Castiel and Dean without people pushing so hard for it. Because they're like, come on, look at them. Look at them. But then you even. Tell me. 
But even that, they didn't do, like, entirely well because I saw the clip and it's Castiel saying to Dean, I love you. And Dean doesn't say anything back and then Castiel dies. So it's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you tr- you went to do it and then you didn't do it. <laughs> there, there's a part in Castlevania uh, where somebody goes, I love you. And they go, I know. And okay. then the other person does it again. It makes me think of like uh, Han, Solo. Han Solo. And I'm just like... Oh, that is like what I like about Lucifer is he was the first like like yeah, there was big bads, but he was a big bad. And my thing was is that I always love like it, it just always sounds fucked up. Uh, that's like one thing where I'm like I love this character named Lucifer, and I'm like I better not tell my parents or my husband's parents. You're like it sounds very awkward. Where you're like yeah, I love Lucifer. It's great. Um. But uh, I don't know. He was so fascinating. I enjoy Lucifer's characters where it's not like, oh, I'm this evil, bad, scary person. It's like, no, I'm humorous. I'm very charismatic. Don't mind my decaying face. It's fine. This is a temporary body. You know, and uh, what was the actor's name that played him again? Mark Pellegrino. Okay. Because I always remember his last name sounds like the water. You know, (laughs) it is the that uh the water company or whatever the is this is sparkling water I Pellegrino. It, it's like it's a Pellegrino. sparkling water it's very expensive okay. oh shit well you know it's like with him it's just i don't know he he played it so well that i just sat there and i was like i'm eternally fascinated by this character to the point where you know you don't often see the vessels come back like there's a lot of characters like yeah this is their temporary uh vessel they're going to use another body and they're going to use another body but for him he played that character so well and people loved that character so much they kept the actor for it i'm sure i i'm sure in memory he probably took someone else's body or you know took sam's but was he after dean's body or sam's body Sam. Okay. Well, and that was the whole thing about him drinking demon blood growing up and yada yada. Mm-hmm. But um I'm pretty sure. But I don't know. I just I just found him really fascinating. It made me think of uh I never watched this, but what is that movie you love with the angel? Oh, Legion? Either Legion or the other one. It's like an angel name. I thought it said it was like a C. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. There's another one named after an angel where the angel loses his wings uh, and he's fighting demons or something like that. It's that's, something. That's Legion. Constantine. Oh, Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love, yeah. there's, there's this movie called Legion with Paul Bettany and he plays Michael, the archangel. And he, like, um, loses his wings because he goes against God because God wants to destroy all the humans again. And he's like, but we're supposed to love the humans. So he loses his wings and has to, like, fight against demons. And in my Legion, I'm thinking of, I was just, my th- I was just, like, so hung up on what was the name of the other one. But on, on him, what gets me is, like, isn't Lucifer in it and he's playful? It's been a long or, time. Or is that Constantine? I think that's Constantine. I think, yeah, I think that's Constantine. Okay. But it's just like, it made me feel like that movie, even though I didn't see it, but I loved watching that clip because it was so, like, iconic for that scene. But it's like, 
sorry, Toby is biting me. There is something wrong with him today. He, he's doing it a playful way, but it's definitely a distraction when you're like, yeah, I'm going to talk and then cat bite. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think of him? I, so I really love, this is, is going to sound bad, which it's not so bad right now because you know how there's the show Lucifer and right now it's like premiering. It's, um, I think, a final season or something on Netflix. So, I mean, people are loving Lucifer anyway, but <laughs> I loved the early Lucifer seasons in Supernatural because I know they brought him back, I believe, for like season 11 or season, yeah, season 11. And then I think they even brought him back after, but I had stopped watching Supernatural at that point, so I can't tell you. But the way he was done in season five was so good um and i'll tell you why it was so good and this is gonna sound fucked up because i am talking about satan right now (laughs) (laughs) but in the fictional sense um biblically biblically right lucifer biblically i can't talk today you know, in the Bible, Lucifer is supposed to be a grand manipulator, right? And that's what you get in season five of Supernatural. Because there are times in the show where you almost feel, like, comforted. Because it's like he's telling Sam, like, it's all good. You know? Like, we're fine. We're good. You know, why don't, you know, join me and everything. It's you know very charismatic very 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 convincing what do they call him the great deceiver the great deceiver yes you know and i felt that in season five this great like he never you know really came off as the devil horns wearing dude it's like he they really made it a point to be like you know he was an angel and you even have all these other angels around him going like he is our brother he is the most beautiful one you know um you know we shouldn't go against him because he's one of us you know um and the episode i really loved is the episode where he kills gabriel because you really did feel this like brotherly love between the two of them i don't know it was so good and then i did love in season seven when lucifer kind of was like torturing sam mentally (laughs) but we love a good torture scene but i will say i love mark pellegrino as lucifer in supernatural i also think though that jared pedal padalecki also did a fantastic job when it was his turn to play uh lucifer I think he did a really good job in season five um, so that you felt as if it was the same character, just in different bodies. No, no, I remember that because I was like, man, I don't, I really, I, I did come up love whenever they would have where the character it's like i'm a guy pretending to play another guy type vibe. <laughs> and it's like that would be very interesting it's like be yourself but i need you to suddenly take on this other character and it was kind of neat to like see like a body change with characters well i mean shit jared Padalecki did that a thousand times in supernatural in season three or two i believe he played meg Meg was supposed to be like possessing him, and then he's always getting possessed. I know. And then he played Satan, 
And then remember in season nine, he played Gadrill a few times. So he did it a few times in the show. No, I, I enjoyed it though. I, I really like, next I, I want to rewatch it and just stop where I stopped last time. You know, it's so funny because back when we were like really into Supernatural, um, I remember a few people online saying like, yeah, I, I stopped watching after season five because I felt like that was the true ending. And I used to say, how could you do that? We're still going on. We're like season nine. So good. But I look back at it and I'm like, season five really was like the great ending. You know, they defeated Lucifer. Sam is sucked into like the void. And Castiel pretty much is kind of like hinted to being God. And I felt like that was perfect. You know, it was the per. I'm sure that fans now, after having seen the series finale, would have much preferred whatever happened in season five to be the grand finale. Remember season five? We met the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We met Lucifer. I mean, we, we met a lot of great characters. I know, and I know I do. Uh, was it season six or seven that we met Benny? We met Benny in season. So, okay, really quick, I can say that as much as I'm just saying right now that season five was a good ending, each season up until season 10, I feel like has a redeeming quality. Season six was Balthazar. Remember Balthazar? He was great. Um, Wait, which one was Balthazar again? He was Cassiel's friend who was always having orgies and shit like that. Oh, yeah, I did like Balthazar. So season six, we had Balthazar. Season seven, we had the Leviathans. And Dick Roman was just so great. I can't, like, not, you know. And I think Crowley had a bigger role in season seven as well. So, you know, that. I think that's when he was starting to become the king of hell. Yeah. And then... Because they're like, Satan's no longer here. It's a, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love was, Crowley. I love that. And then season eight, we met Benny. Season nine, we met Gudril. And season ten is kind of where it went downhill after they completely fucked up um, making Dean a demon. And then two episodes later, taking it away. My thing was, so there was that, mm-hmm. and also, I didn't, I didn't much care about, like, the darkness stuff. That was season 11, and I really couldn't care less about it, and once they did that, and then they, then, they then made Ca- the vessel of Castiel Satan, but then he had a kid, and then after, I don't, it got messy after, as you said, Stargate, oh, very comfortable freaking castiel's vessel's daughter oh and i hated the teenage version of her she was so annoying um isn't that the same girl that was in uh oh punisher no 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 that was a different girl i warmed up to that character in punisher season two no the actress who and i can't remember her name listen you know we all have that actor actress that we just don't like I have seen that girl in multiple things. She was in Supernatural. She was in Halt and Catch Fire. She was in a few other things I watched. And she always plays this whiny, bratty teenager, which really makes me upset that she actually was cast in the third Ant-Man and the Wasp film. So I don't know. We'll have to deal with that when that time comes. But yeah, 
Uh, Brittany, did you want to say anything else about Lucifer on Supernatural? I think I'm good. Okay. (laughs) I I did not know what's in, in, what the cats ate or what, but let me explain this real quick. So Toby, Toby is a baby and he's very like, okay, I want to lay on top of you. But he doesn't like Nami, and every time Nami comes by, he, like, tries to eat him alive, and I'm not moving, but Toby's like, oh, you're obviously near me, so therefore you must be Nami, so I should try to bite you, and then realize that it's you halfway into trying to bite you. So that is my existence right now, Tia. That sounds like so much fun. Uh (laughs) You live the cat lifestyle, you get it. Luckily, lady's just sitting next to me so peacefully, so, you know, we're all good. <laughs> You're like, this is why dogs are better. My perfect princess, but, um... Oh my god, I have been around that dog. <laughs> perfect princess, my butt. <laughs> but, um, Lucifer for, uh, for number eight is perfect. I'm gonna go with number seven, and I'm gonna go with Ravi from iZombie. I was just talking about him because I was singing the theme song while out and dinner with friends and I said, have you all seen iZombie? They're like, I love iZombie, which, you know, half the guys were obsessed with uh, Liv, but uh, the rest were like, Robbie was pretty fucking cool. Well, listen, I know that Liv is the main character of the show and she's great in her own accord, but let me explain to you why Ravi is like the MVP of that show. Um, episode one, we meet Liv, and we understand that Liv, after being turned into a zombie, goes to work at a mortuary and everything, and Ravi is her boss. Ravi instantly makes a connection that she's a zombie. Not only does he not get freaked out, but he makes it his number one mission in the entire show to help Liv find a cure. And he never, like gives that up that's every season um so not only that right not only did he you know try so hard it's like he never got freaked out by Liv he never got um you know judgmental or anything with her or anything like that um and he was just a great friend overall and even if like I don't know if you remember in like season one in the beginning she goes through a little bit of like a rage moment and he calms her down he doesn't get freaked out it's not like he never wants to talk to her again it's like he always continuously is there for her and he's and what i like about it is not only and i'll go back to him being a great friend but he also isn't afraid to like call people out on their bullshit as well um and i appreciated that it's just he always had like everyone's you know priority like he always had everyone's well-being in mind um and he loved live and in a completely platonic way and i love that they never made it like a romantic thing they never once had it where like you know maybe they have romantic feelings for each other or something it's like no completely 100 percent. he loved her as a friend um he even said that he loved her and you felt that it was a completely plat- uh, platonic thing 
He was there for Major every time Major like had a problem. His love for Peyton and everything. I just love Robbie. He is the MVP of the show. He never like you know compromised his mor- his morals or anything like that. He always stood up for what was right. He always had the goal in mind, and he was willing to do whatever it takes to fix this whole situation he let's he literally tried utopium for the first time for research sake he literally had Liv scratch him at some point so that he could test out um the vaccine for you know the zombie virus and everything and he did in the end make the fucking cure so it's like ravi Ravi is the best. We needed Ravi on COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said that I was thinking that I was like, you know, this man was like, you know what? I'll make, I'll make the fucking vaccine myself. I don't care. I don't give a um, <laughs> What I love about the actor too is, did you know that like, there was a, the, uh, oh, China, a fun house. It was a, like where these people would make like video game videos and stuff. And he would always like sometimes show up for the videos. And those were some of my favorites because he has such like, like, you know, Robbie's so playful and like blah, blah, blah. But like the dude that plays him is like, I am a savage. I will destroy you with words in the best way possible. Oh my God. He's definitely a sarcastic savage. I follow him on Twitter and he's hilarious. Um, you know, and he's been in a few things now at this point. Like, his career is definitely getting there. You know, I think iZombie was legitimately his first gig. So, to go from iZombie and then he went to uh, The Haunting on Bly Manor, se- uh, which was season two. It was, you know, sequel season to The Haunting of Hill House, which was very popular. Um, and a lot of people have said, you know, some people have even fan casted him as Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four, and I can see it. Ooh, I could see that. I can see it. Um, you know, he's a huge nerd, and he. So I love the actor uh, Raul Poli, um, but Ravi is just the MVP of that show. Um, and even when I will admit, there was at one point in the show where I kind of was mad at him and it was during like the Blaine time when Blaine was like having his amnesia and everything and but but then Ravi ended up being right because Ravi kept right? like, like, you can't be mad at him when he was technically right like you know at the whole time he's like I don't believe this guy you know are we supposed to take his word you know he's been an asshole this whole time I'm supposed to just help him and everyone's like Ravi why are you being such a dick and I definitely do think that part of it was because you know Ravi and Peyton dated and then you know once they broke up then Peyton and Blaine had a little thing right but he was right. Blaine was completely like lying about his amnesia. So. <laughs> he, he, he turned out to be technically the fucking worst. Exactly. So really, you can't be mad at Robbie because he was right. But and by the way, you talked before about with Hannibal how the food always looked good. The food in iZombie just got better looking every season because. <laughs> You know, I've watched that show from, you know, season one to this last season. And in season one, it was just Liv literally eating brains or, like, putting it in ramen, right? 
and not even like good not even good ramen like a cup of noodles ramen you know but then all of a sudden she's making like brain hamburgers meatballs you know french onion soup uh cake and everything it just got like so ridiculous that i was like damn that shit looks good You're like that. That shit do be looking good though. <laughs> that shit do be looking good though. So, <laughs> oh my god, I spent too long on TikTok. Help me. I know, I know. The best was I never wanted Ravi to really become a zombie, but in season four they had it where like he got something called his monthlies. So for like three days out of the month he became a zombie, and that's how his like vaccine worked. And when he was on brains he was low-key hilarious oh my god i'm trying to remember what he did like because um i you know and one thing about like speaking of the brains incident it's like he was so caring for Liv's little mood swings whenever she'd have a really bad one Oh my god, the only one that I think he absolutely hated was when she ate the brain of, like, this guy who was really cantankerous, and I think she said something that was, you know, a little racist, and he was like, like, and I I, I remember that one, and I think he was like, you know, I'm gonna let that slip because of the brain, but I'm I'm still not happy about it. <laughs> right, I'm still not happy with you. I'm so oh happy. man, that was probably the worst brain. That definitely was one of the worst brains. It really was. But I love Robbie. I loved him on iZombie. And iZombie is such an underrated gem. I just wish the world would give it its credit because it was a fantastic fucking show. But anyway, Brittany, and they let, took it away from you, Tia. Well, you know, at least iZombie had a proper fucking ending. All right, can I tell you really quick, right? The thing that was so frustrating about iZombie sometimes, like being part of the fandom, was um, season one had 13 episodes. And then season two was originally supposed to have 13 episodes, but it was doing so well that literally the CW was like, in the middle of it airing, said, oh, we want to give it more episodes. So, like, they literally were just filming as it went, you know, and we ended up with 19 episodes. And then for some reason, after that, even though the viewership was there, it's like, as a fan, you were constantly waiting because they constantly, like, renewed it super late. Like, they were, they would renew all the other CW shows, and they wouldn't renew it yet. And they'd be like, oh, okay, it's renewed for season three. Okay, cool. It's renewed for season four. Okay, cool. And I remember us, like, waiting after season four, like, come on, man. The last episode just came out. Like, you know, you renewed all your other stupid fucking shows. Like, why aren't you renewing this? And, you know, they'd say, oh, it was renewed for season five. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, two days later, they're like, season five will be the last season. It's like... Oh, I got what I wanted, but at what cost? <laughs> but at what cost? I know, I hate that when you're like, I'm happy. But it's kind of like where you got your cake, but you didn't get to eat it too. But again, at least it like got a proper ending that they were able to map out, unlike another show that I'll mention in a second. But <laughs> Oh, Tia, baby girl. <laughs> Anyway, number seven, Ravi, Brittany, what is your number six? Let me look at my little list of Roni here. Let me see. Let's see. I am going to go 
with someone I love. And yeah. I'm going to go with Al Swearingen from Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. you can not blame me. So if you don't know, uh, he's played by Ian McShane. Um, Deadwood was one of the freaking, like, most insane uh, TV shows. People were obsessed with it. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was so old. Because it doesn't feel like an old show. It doesn't feel like, oh, it's just like, you know, something from the past. It legitimately feels like, oh, no, I wish I would have found it a long time ago. But, uh, Tia, do you remember how old it is? Uh, I'll look it up right now. One second. Oh, you're good. But, um, I mean, it ended up like, you know, you have where um, it's basically an old Western. And, you know, there's a lot more to it. But Alistair and Jen plays like the saloon owner. And you realize he owns so much of that town, the property. Because I think when uh, they got chased off by, like, uh, I'm trying to remember. It wasn't, I think they were trying to make amends. Like, I don't know if at some point the government was trying to make amends with the Native American population. So they chased off, like, everybody in the area. And then that fell through. And so they came back to the town. And, you know, Al was one of those original people coming back. So I think that's how he kind of owned everything. Because, um, and a lot of people were coming to this town as a fresh new start. But it's still so lawless. It's so, like, you know, it kind of nothing's really going to break the law there unless you're wanting somebody there because it wasn't technically part of a state yet. But Al is such a motherfucker because he, like, Tia, how would you describe him? A motherfucker. I think that's actually a, a, I think that's a perfect way to describe him. I just, I don't know. He, throughout the entire series, it's like, he's this big evil, like, character that you go oh like you know he kills like a child because he's like well that child may get me in trouble so i better go ahead and take care of the situation and you're like you know what that's pretty fucked up which i think is very fair to say you know he ends up changing his mind but you know you do see this parts where he's this you know big evil person in it but then again he's the one only one that was willing to let the you know he killed the priest so that, you know, because he ends up getting that tumor and he can't think straight and everything's like going wrong and he's suffering real bad and he ends up suffocating the guy instead of letting him suffer. And, and I'm like, okay, that's fucked up, but you technically did a good thing and I don't know how to feel about that. Oh no, he's just, he's so off. He's the perfect mix of awful and good because he does awful shit. But he ends up doing good shit, but not super good shit. Just enough good shit to make him, like, halfway redeemable. <laughs> um, whatchamacallit, it, like, by the way, it ran from 2004 to 2006. So it is Yeah, it old. does not feel like it started in 2004. The only reason why sometimes I do believe that is when I look back on it, there are some, like, questionable stereotypes in the show that I feel wouldn't say fly today if it were to come out now um just at least from my perspective but yeah I never knew how to feel about Al Swearingen because he's played by Ian McShane so you know that he's going to be played um you know so charismatic and so whimsical and you can really tell you know that uh 
people say a lot, you know, chewing the scenery. You can tell that he completely chewed the scenery. Um, and he just really was commanding the camera every time he was in front of it. But he did really fucked up things, as you said. I mean, the first episode is him beating uh, one of the prostitutes in his brothel. Um, yeah, because you know, after she just got beat by another guy and she killed the guy. Yeah, and he gets mad because someone was killed in his brothel, you know? Um, and he's not very nice to, say, the woman who mops up and everything because of her physical disabilities. So it's like, he's not a nice person. But then in the moments when he's not being so shitty, it's like suddenly he's so charismatic and just so fun to watch and didn't they oh he's tr- incredibly fun to watch because i was like skipping through it just to watch his scenes because <laughs> he's so fucking awful but he's so like you you crave those good moments from him and didn't they essentially try to redeem him in a sense like doesn't he get a little redeemed in the movie he does because you know he's kind of older and he just kind of you know kind of living for his mistakes but you know he's in love with one of the the saloon girls and it's like he's in love with like yeah so he's in love with her and he never stopped loving her to the point but he lets he eventually lets her go and it's like what the, it's like are you good are you bad are you just halfway redeemable what the fuck are you i mean i guess it goes to show you that like people in general are not entirely good they're not entirely bad so it's like with this character a lot that he has done is irredeemable but then on the other hand a lot of what he's doing are the signs of someone who is a decent person so it's like you know people are crazy but he softens up through the entire series like he goes from being fucking awful awful to well i better go help the good guys (laughs) fuck you know i really don't want to but i guess i should um i think also didn't he have like a kidney stone that he suffered from at some point i think didn't that kind yes, of like, like getting that. and it nearly i love the doctor from that show <laughs> the doctor is fucking great in that like he he is not afraid bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Take Al shit and give it right back to him. <laughs> if Al does anything to him, he's going to help him. And, you know, he's always taking care of his girls because, you know, certain things happen, come up a lot in 
that kind of area of work that need treating and it was always there it's like what are you gonna do kill me and he's like then no one's gonna be here to take care of your girl so good luck with exactly <laughs> i loved al um you know deadwood you know i okay so first of all i love deadwood for um you know wild bill even though he was only oh. in even though he was only in three episodes can't but can't you tell me that even though this character was only in it for three episodes, it felt as if his character was just, his spirit was continued on in the show and even the movie? Oh, I did because it's like they do still, like, it still affected them so much with what was going on. Like, you know, there's still mentions of him in it. Yeah, because I've seen, like, gifts and everything from the movie where they even bring him up. So I'm like, this character was just such an integral part of the show, even though he literally was only physically there for three episodes. Which, by the way, IMDb is so messed up because it says four episodes, but the fourth episode is literally his corpse. So I'm like, screw you. <laughs> That's not four <laughs> episodes. <laughs> That's fucked up. Um, but yeah. Uh, Al from Deadwood is great. Ian McShane is just an amazing actor. Cannot wait to see him in um, John Wick Four. And um, you know, such a mother. That dude does not look his age, by the way. He does not. Like when you find out, because he's nearly eighty, I believe. And it's like, dude, how do you have the energy? Because it's like, okay, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins is 83, and he's still acting, and he's still doing a wonderful job. But he looks 83, right? But freaking Ian McShane is, like, out there running around, doing crazy shit, and it's like, dude, you need to sit down. You're, like, you're getting there. (laughs) He's like, I'll rest when I'm dead. Pretty much. That's what it feels like, at least. But, yeah, he is great. Um, I got to speak with him at one point, so you know. Oh, fuck you, Tia. <laughs> so jolly, Bill. Um, but yeah, great pick, uh, Al from <laughs> Deadwood. I'm gonna hit number five, and it's kind of gonna be related, and it's going to be Technical Boy from American Gods. I um, knew it had to come up. I knew it. You know, the thing is, is that I was gonna. First of all, there's so many characters in American Gods that would deserve to be on a list like this, right? You know, Bill Quist, Mad Sweeney, Shadow Moon, Mr. Wednesday, Mr. World, you know, Miss World. There's just so many. But ultimately, I had to pick Technical Boy because I love his transition in the show so much that it's like it stands out the most to me. First of all, you have, okay, so like really quick, you know, American Gods uh, was adapted from a book written by Neil Gaiman. It was a TV show that ran for three seasons on Stars, and then Stars decided to be a little bitch and cancel it, even though it was left literally <laughs> on the biggest, biggest cliffhanger ever. I will never forgive them for this, but anyway. I'm going to say, Tia holds the grudge like no other. I love it. Because it's just, <laughs> we needed one more season. We needed one more season to finish it off and everything. And I don't know what's happening with the show at all. Like, 100% I don't. Because literally, all right, really quick, I 
wrote an article, right? An opinion article for Geek Vibes Nation, like saying, you know, American God season three was the best season, right? Ricky Whittle, the guy who plays Shadow Moon, literally quote tweeted my my tweet, right, of my article and said, best so far. What does oh. that what does that mean? And then Neil Gaiman the author of American Gods literally said in response to, you know, American Gods like getting canceled going, it's not dead. And this is all recent. This isn't like, oh, it just happened right after it got canceled. This was all within the last like week or so. So what's happening with the show? I need to know. Anyway, uh, let's focus on Technical Boy. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, don't get me started. Let's focus on Technical Boy, uh, portrayed by Bruce Langley, which, by the way, Bruce Langley is a relatively new actor. American Gods is really the only thing in his filmography other than little shorts, right? So, to me, I think it's really great that he was able to do what he did with the character being such a new actor, especially a character who is so different in the book, is not developed really at all. Um, and to take a character and have it where you actually care about this character, you feel for this character, and you want to see him continue to transform. And I'm sorry, like, see- <laughs> season three fucking blew my mind with the whole shit. <laughs> like, oh, I- oh, my God. I was like... Which part? And then I was like, oh, I remember. Holy shit, I remember. Because you first meet Technical in season one, it's just like, okay, he's the god of technology, right? And he's a little shit, and you kind of hate him because he tried to kill Shadow, and he's kind of blackmailing Bill Quist, so F this guy. And you're already led to believe that the new gods are the bad guys, right? And then then in season two, you go, oh, I kind of feel bad about this guy. You see his origin, you see how new media is kind of being a bitch, and how it seems as if the new gods have a bit of a like agenda against him right and so you feel bad for him because he's technically made obsolete at some point and then you have and then you have him in season three where (laughs) bill quist literally you know sends him on some emotional whirlwinds and everything he has to figure (laughs) he has to figure out that I'm so fucking mad about it. He's, he's a spicy, he's a spicy boy. You know, it's funny because I thought that was a really innovative way to, so really, I know I keep saying really quick, but um, there's obviously a lot of things in the book that they had to change for the show, but still have touches of the theme to it, if that makes sense, because in the book, and, you know, I'm not even going to do a spoiler warning because the book has been out for over 20 years, and the show got canceled, even though, again, they keep making it seem as if something's going to happen. But anyway, um, you know, in the book, uh, Technical Boy kills Bilquist. And when he kills Bilquist by running over her, by the way, with his limo. <laughs> oh, yeah that's great yeah that's not great (laughs) and it's really messed up because he's literally singing you're an analog girl in a digital world really weird oh Uh, yeah really sadistic um so when technical boy kills bill quiz as she's dying she releases a curse onto technical boy and it's never really explained what happens to him you just know that he's losing his mind because there's that 
Remember in season three at the end where they all meet at that hotel to collect the body of Mr. Wednesday? That happens as well in the book, but Shadow's room is right next to Technical Boy's and all he can hear is Techno Boy slamming himself up against the wall because he's just going crazy. And then he oh, kind of just and then he just kind of dies. So it's what like the fuck? So I mean, I guess in the book go he kind of really deserved it, but still that's fucked. Yeah, so you can't really do that in the show because you've developed these two characters so well that you can't have that. But it's like how do you keep um touches of that well have it where instead of killing Bill Quist, Bill Quist just gets annoyed with Techno Boy and pretty much, you know, imposes empathy on him. But because he doesn't know what it is, it still makes him go crazy. But once he's able to control that, it like gets better. But anyway, I know I'm rambling, but the final thing I want to say about Techno Boy is how <laughs> as someone who grew to love this character to have it where at the end of the season it's literally revealed that he is the oldest god in that show. I was freaking out, Brittany. Especially because he looks the youngest. He legitimately looks the youngest. Like, okay, do you remember I know that I'm going on a tangent here, but you all know how much I love American God, so um, <laughs> if I can talk about it, I will try and talk about it. But do you remember Brittany? In season three, when he's talking about Artifact 1, and Mr. World goes into what Artifact 1 is, and it's just a stone, and you're sitting there, and you're like, what is it? Like, I don't get this. What is it? And I I saw some people kind of, like, surmising online going, oh, it's a spear, you know, one of, like, humanity's first tools and everything. And when he grabs it, and you realize that it was a flint to pretty much show, like, humanity's first innovation and that that's technically what technical boy is is just innovation it's like and when you're like i didn't expect it to be so fucking good (laughs) and when technical boy's like well why don't i remember it and mr world going like because you don't have this in your possession so every time you change it's like you forget but it's like how long has mr world had it for you know like what's I need answers. <laughs> I need it's like I need answers, but they ain't ever gonna give it. They ain't ever gonna get it. I I'm telling you, I sit there and I like look for little crumbs of what Ricky Whittle and Neil Gaiman are putting out there to be like, what's going on, guys? You got any more of that American gods? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel that. I feel that on an emotional level. I'm just saying, I've been through it a few times with shows that I really like getting canceled. And they always do, like, you know, thank you so much, fans. You know, it's been a journey. You know, da-da-da-da-da. No actor has done anything like that. The official American Gods Twitter page hasn't put anything out. So I'm like, to me, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist because I want to be a realist as well. But it's just a little weird. No, no, I get that too. Because uh, you know, we because we saw it with like, uh, like I Zombie, for his example. Yeah, with I Zombie, you know, they tweeted out um, all the actors. You know, it's been a journey. Thank you. Like, you know, Raul Coley talked about it and everything. Um, 
when Daredevil and Punisher and all those got canceled, literally the official Twitter pages like did a, you know, goodbye tweet and everything. So just the fact that's that, depressing. I know, but the fact that that's not there with American Gods, just I want to believe that there's something going on in the background, but I don't want to give up hope. But this isn't about that really quick before we move on to the next one, because I am trying to keep within the timeline, because Brittany does have streaming tonight, so I am trying to keep I it know. within I know, I'm, ex- I'm excited, because all I'm going to be doing is playing some MMOs. <laughs> but really quick, uh, which is funny that we're on Technical Boy, uh, do you ha- want to say a few syllables about Tech Boy before we move on? Say, I I hated him at first. <laughs> Like, legitimately, like, like, I'm like, this fucking guy sucks. He tries to lynch fucking Shadow Moon. That's pretty Which fucking the- to you. Which and he's like, the- I apologize. It's like, yeah, that doesn't make it okay, though. I was like, going to say, that's one of my favorite moments in season three when Shadow kicks Tech Boy's ass and he's like, that's for lynching me. And Tech Boy's like, I said sorry. And he's like, that's not ever going to be forgiven. <laughs> All right. Like, I don't know, he's just such a little shit, but he's such a good little shit, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I love it. I do look, listen, I, I'll say one more time, I do really hope to see more of Technical Boy, I'm gonna cross my fingers, but I am interested in seeing more from Bruce Langley, just like with Raul Coley, it's like, clearly both of them did really good jobs in their first, you know, major TV show. You gotta think about iZombie is on CW, a big cable show, and uh, American Gods was on Stars, you know, a major uh, network show. So, you know, I think that shows a lot. Uh, when I spoke to Bruce Langley, he said that he had interest in playing um, Harry Osborne in the Marvel universe. So I'm kind of willing that into existence right now. Um, I feel like if I hope hard enough, it'll, it'll happen. I'm also willing into existence that Yeteti Badaki plays Storm because she would oh, be she'd be so fucking good at it. She'd be so perfect at it. So yeah, but um, anyway, let's move on. Brittany, what's your number four? I am gonna go with. Let me see here. Oh, I want to take one, but I I feel like you'll. What What is it? What does it start with? Uh, an S. An S? Like Sam? Yeah, like like a snake. No, I don't have anything like that. Oh, shit. Then I'm taking Shane from The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay. Have you ever, like, he's so... There's not many characters, Tia. Would you say there's not that many characters that bring such a fucking visceral reaction from people holy shit <laughs> I, I mentioned i breathed the name sean bernthal um one of the my co-workers like i used to fucking hate that guy because he played fucking shane from the walking dead and i was like oh no he's like yeah he goes i didn't want to give him a chance he's like but to me it just goes to show how fucking good the character is when it brings that kind of reaction out of people where they're like, yeah, fuck that guy. I don't know, Shane was just very ahead of his time, and I think you could recognize that too, where he, what's the word for it, Tia? He very much 
I'm trying to think how to word this. I had to argue with my coworker with Shane. He was like, yeah, but he was evil. I'm like, well, you know, technically, you know, he knew that uh, Lori wouldn't like leave if he didn't tell her. He's, I said, he gave, uh, he gave Rick a chance. You know, he put something in front of the door. And I said, you know, he was fine at first. You know, he was happy to see him. I go, you know, he obviously had a lot of guilt because, you know, he ended up surviving. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, that doesn't make it right. And I'm like, well, you know, Rick ended up doing a lot of the same thing. He's like, it still doesn't make it right. Uh, I don't know. He was so fucking good at being bad, though. I think that it's easy to say, oh, Shane did wrong. Um, but we saw in flashbacks, he tried to get Rick up. But you've got to think of it. It's like Rick was in a coma for a few months prior to that. He's hooked up to all these cables, right? There's literally zombies and army trying to shoot people in the middle of the hospital. Shane is a cop. He knows he has to get people to safety. He knows he has to get Rick's family to safety. And you could say, yeah, of course, him get, uh, you know, messing around with Lori was bad. Rick did the same thing in season, like, five of The Walking Dead, by the way. He tried to get with a woman who had a guy. So, just saying. Um, but Shane, <laughs> Shane was ahead of his time because everything that Shane did Rick ended up doing, but it's just because Shane was willing to do that within season one of The Walking Dead. It was like, oh my god, it's so bad, so bad. But like, Rick has literally killed people because he felt that they were a threat. He's done a lot of fucked up. I really say that what Rick did to all those saviors while they were sleeping was ten times worse. It's like, yeah, I know they were Negan's people, but um, like that was one of the most disturbing scenes ever to me in The Walking Dead. Um, well, yeah, because they killed them all in their sleep, but even to the point where Glenn was like, we never do this again. That's right. Glenn but they felt that they recognized that they had to do it, but it's like, and yeah, Shane probably would have done the same thing, but it was still just fucked. I think that Shane um, was kind of, uh, he went crazy because then he was made out to be the villain. It was like, yes, Rick came back, right? And I think things could have kind of been hunky-dory at that point, but then Lori, like, and not to put all on Lori, but kind of put all on Lori. She was like, F you, Shane, you da 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 and Shane's like, yo, I literally got you all out of the city and to safety, and now Rick's back, and suddenly it's like, oh, thank God, we couldn't have survived without Rick, and it's like, bruh. <laughs> I know, and, and it's like, I feel bad for being such, like, a Shane apologist, but I'm just like, I also, I guess I just don't like the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of it, sorry, the hypocrisy of it, like, well, you know, he was bad because he did this, and it's like, yeah, but you still love Rick, Where, where's that same energy for Rick, huh? Well, and then, you know, a lot of people dislike that he was so willing to, you know, say that Carol's daughter was dead, but he was right, she died. Like, and they were wasting time and resources on trying to find her when she was just oh. dead this whole entire time. So it's like, I think in... Or, you know, Herschel keeping all those fucking bodies. Yeah, it was so bad. And and it's like, when he killed them all, I was like, good, that's a threat. That's a security risk. So I... <laughs> that's a security risk, you know? Um, I don't know. To me, the only thing that Shane did that I truly sat there and was like, ah, Shane, um, is when he was getting a little handsy with Lori while he was drunk. 
I was oh, like, I know. Shane, he Shane. got really drunk and he wasn't, yeah, that part was like, that's the only part, like, and if, if people are like, oh, that's fucked up, I'm like, you are not wrong. I very much agree with you. Yeah, I agree. That was a messed up thing. And I was like, Shane, you don't ever do that. Um, no. I do know that some people were pissed that he shot that one guy, Otis, when they were trying to leave. And I'm like, again, survival of the fittest. And it's like, he saw He did it for Carl. He did it for Carl. He was like, either one of us leaves and gets, you know, Carl the treatment that he needs, or neither of us leave and Carl dies. And I mean, if you technically think about it, they wouldn't have been in that situation if the guy hadn't accidentally shot, uh... Carl in the first place. That is true. That is true. And also, I will always say, what is the one thing that Shane said to Rick? I don't think you can keep them safe. And who died? Both Lori and Carl on Rick's time. (laughs) They all died. So I'm like, Shane was not wrong. (laughs) I know. know. It's fucked. We're bad people. I, oh my god, I don't know, you can't help. Again, Shane, I feel like, is so deeply ingrained in The Walking Dead, because he, first of all, he came back in a flashback, not a flashback, sorry, he came back in a hallucination in season three, right? Um, Carl, I I remember this, Carl distinctly mentions him in season four, because he's all pissed at Rick, and he was like, uh, oh, Shane taught me remember him um and then that part got me and uh the fact that you know he does uh hallucinate shane in the end and ask him you know are you taking are you taking care of my my baby girl and it's like and because you know rick always knew that she was his oh rick acknowledges it i believe in season nine or season eight to michonne he's like i know judith isn't biologically mine um it's like he acknowledges that but yeah i mean when rick was like technically dying even though he didn't die but like i think the reason why he was hallucinating is because he was very injured so it's like he hallucinated shane and it was just them in the cop car together which is a big difference from in season three when he hallucinates shane he hallucinates shane shooting at him but in season nine when he hallucinates shane it's them just chilling and almost admitting, like, you know what? You were an asshole, but you were right. No. So. Shane loved being right, so you know what it's fitting. Exactly. But I love Shane. Agreed. Uh, which makes my number three perfect to stay on the choo-choo John Bernthal train. Because we're doing... Oh, hell yeah. I don't want off the train, Gia. Because <laughs> we're doing motherfucking Frank Castle from the Punisher. Oh, <laughs> Oh my god. (laughs) I know that I say this story all the time, but I'm gonna say it one more time for the new listeners. Uh, I didn't really watch Daredevil season one, right? I got into it a little, I never finished it, you know, or anything like that. And then I remember season two came coming out and they're like, and I didn't know who John Bernthal was at all. I didn't even really know who the Punisher was, but I remember seeing that it was a big deal 
because just at that moment is when Marvel got the rights back to say, like, The Punisher, you know? So it was like, oh, my God, it's it's a big deal. Season two, The Punisher is going to be an Electra, you know, but, like, fuck Electra. But they're like, fuck Electra. (laughs) They're like, The Punisher is going to be in. It's a big deal. And I'm like, you know, and at that point, I'm into the MCU and everything. So I sat there and said, well, I want to kind of see what the big deal is, right? Oh, I knew I was going to dedicate so much time to the show and this character in that moment where Matt Murdock is like, you know, they, they, all these like, you know, different, you know, gangsters are getting shot up in the city, the Irish, you know, the cartels, the this, the that, you know, and they all think it's an army because they're just getting like blown away and they're getting obliterated. And, you know, the, it obviously like, blah, 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 it has to be an army, it has to be a multitude of people. And I love the setup when, you know, Matt's just, like, talking to that very injured cartel member, and he's like, who were they? And the guy's like, no, they, him. It's one man. And I was like, oh, my God. And then you see the boots in the, and I was like, this is the best Oh, when he just starts walking? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, why is John Bernthal's Frank Castle the best? Oh, uh, <laughs> just so many reasons. <laughs> no, my so thing good. with him is like, you know, I grew up with the other Punisher, which I don't really remember. But the way he just came in swinging big dick energy, I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. That's a hell of an entrance. It's, it's a hell of an entrance, right? Uh, one of my favorite scenes in that season of Daredevil is him going to the pawn shop and when the pawn shop owner starts trying to sell him per, uh, child pornography and he just like goes and closes the door and locks it and then just gets the face all that and it's like you know you know what's gonna happen so oh what do you when he's like, the guy keeps offering because the guy was like greedy and we want more and more money. And yeah. he's like, I got this. And he's like, you just couldn't keep your mouth shut, could you? And well, then he, like, honestly, that's exactly what it was because it's like, you know, he kept, okay, he won a police radio. All right, so you make a good chunk of change out of that. All right, he's going to pay you for the tape, right? That was, you know, had evidence of him. Okay, he's going to, he's going to pay you for the shotgun, the shotgun shells. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, that should be enough, but no, he's like, no, 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 I got all this stuff, and then as soon as he said, like, under 12 or something, guaranteed, and it's like, that's when, that's when uh, Frank was oh, like. <laughs> when he just stops, when he just stops, and you just see his face, I was like, oh, mm. oh, it's about to get real. I just love John Bernthal's portrayal of Frank Castle because it's like, this is a character that went through a lot. And it's like he was able to so perfectly show all the emotion, the trauma, the integrity, though. Like, I'll never forget in season two, Daredevil, how, you know, uh, persistent he was about not being labeled as having PTSD. And I love that scene because he's like, it's bullshit. And Karen at first gets mad because she's like, no, it's something that people really go through. And he's like, I know it's something people really go through. He's like, but I don't go through it. He's like, so it's an insult to the people who really go through it. He's like, don't blame what I did on that, you know? So I really well, like also that. Because he, he didn't want him to be like the case that people look at whenever talking about PTSD too. Exactly. So I really appreciate that. 
Um, and it's just so good. Bernie is so good. Um, I loved it. I loved everything about his character, and I loved the transformation. You know, in season two, Daredevil, you know, he's very, like, stoic. He doesn't talk a lot. He's very angry. You don't get a lot of him. In season one of Punisher, it's him really like trying to heal from everything that happened with Maria and his kids. And in season two, which I know you didn't really watch, but season two really is a much different Frank Castle while still being the same. And I really like yeah. that they showed an actual progression of the character. Like in season I couldn't really be slept with someone. That to me was like, that's a lot of uh that's what I'm saying. In season two, he actually, you know, sleeps with someone. He has, like, he looks happier. He's taking care of this kid and everything. But he still, like, keeps this into. I loved his relationship, though, with Karen. And I swear, they blue-balled us every step of the way. Because <laughs> let me tell you, like, <laughs> there's this scene okay so i know you know right i know you know everything that happened in daredevil season two i know you know what happened in season one especially like in that the elevator scene when the two of them are looking at each other and they literally press their foreheads against each other i'm like you guys are just being like really unfair to us right now (laughs) and then there's a scene in season two right where Karen goes to the hospital because Frank's in the hospital because why not? He's always getting bruised and beaten. And she pretty much kind of tells him, like, you know, um, uh, what she calls it, like, stop being a bitch, pretty much. And there's a, and he's like, oh, why don't you go back to Matt Murdock and everything? And she's like, you asshole, like, I'm here. And they look at each other and it's like that look, because he's like, you don't want someone like me and like, I'm damaged goods. And she's like, bitch, I'm here. And it's like, they're looking, <laughs> and they're like looking at each other. And then, of course, the kid like comes in and she's like, oh, you two are so cute. And I was like, you ruined the moment. But at the same time, you also confirmed my beliefs. <laughs> yeah, you confirmed the, uh, that you confirm the ship. The you ship is there. Ship. Other people see the ship. And I'll say one last thing that I I still go back again to like Frank Castle's integrity because there's a scene in season two, The Punisher, which does not get talked about enough. But remember um the cop, right? The cop who was like always I forget his name now. Shit. But the cop who was always around like Matt Murdock and everything and then he was also in the Punisher, right? And he kept getting like yeah, promoted. Yeah. There's at some point where um, he, like, has the opportunity to take Frank in, but Frank obviously is on this mission, and the cop is injured, but even though, like, so he's not injured because of Frank. Frank, like, pulls him pretty much out of a burning fucking car and, like, puts him to the side, but, you know, the cop who is, like, probably in the show, right, the only good cop in the show, and he's, like... And he's like, Frank, you know, I got to take you in. Like, I can't let you go. And he's like, I have a mission to do. I'm going to leave. And the cop, like, points the gun at him. And he's like, listen, you do what you got to do. But I'm leaving. And he walks away. And, you know, the cop can't shoot him. He's like, fuck. <laughs> and I just Yeah, he's that. like, he called my bluff. He called my bluff. But um, I loved it. I loved his friendships with Curtis and everything. I loved the whole thing. And... So, okay, I know I keep saying one last thing. One last thing. Um, And I guess this is a spoiler, but again, the show came out a few years ago and it was canceled, so, like, whatever. 
Um, a lot of people kind of had a problem with how he killed Billy Russo. Um, I am okay with it, even though I loved Billy Russo as a bad guy. He was such an asshole. But um, the whole thing is that Frank kills him really quickly, right? Without saying any words to him or anything. And Billy Russo is like bleeding out and shit. And you thought like it would be so much more drawn out. But I'm like, you have to think about it. He loved Billy. Billy was his brother. Billy was his best friend. And he finds out all this shit about Billy. And he knows how Billy betrayed him, how he lied. And pretty much found out like how manipulating Billy could be. And he still knew, though, that a part of him, like, loved him based on their past. So it's like he knew he needed to get in and out. He knew he had to go in and just pull the trigger and not allow Billy to, you know, talk his way out of it. Because he knew that if that was it, he'd lose his chance forever. So I'm like, I was okay with him just killing Billy. A lot of people were like, oh, it's anticlimactic. And I'm like, you don't understand, like, Frank really fought against that whole decision. And Frank Frank also had a lot of growth through up until that point, too. So it would be kind of counterproductive to be like, see, he's still the same way it was. And it's like, no, he's ready to kind of put it behind him. Well, that was another thing, because like Curtis kept saying, like, you have to put this behind you. And it's like, I think that that was him doing that. So I really, God, Frank, John Bernthal did such a great job as Frank Castle. You have no idea, like, if they ever brought him in. First of all, if they ever brought him into the MCU, I don't want to know about it. I just want to be watching a movie one day and him fucking pop up and I'll freak out. Do you want to be like freaking Alfred when he sees Batman? <laughs> the one, uh, yes. like, on vacation? Do you want to just smile and nod like I saw you? Well, okay, so before we move on, you know, there's all these rumors circulating the upcoming Spider Man movie. And you have to take a lot of it with a grain of salt because a lot of it hasn't been confirmed. Um, But there are rumors that Charlie Cox has been spotted on set to reprise his role as Matt Murdock. But again, I kind of don't want to know. I kind of don't. I kind of don't want to be confirmed. I don't want to see it in a trailer. Um, I want to literally be watching the movie and it happen because I don't, I don't know. It would come on. Like, don't you love when those little surprises happen that you didn't see coming? I know. That's why a lot of times when people are like, so-and-so found on the set, I'm like, don't you know, I, I like to know who's going to be in it, but it's like, sometimes you just don't want to know. Well, apparently they, I always hear this, right? Um, they apparently like hid Samuel Jackson in Iron Man 1. They literally, no one knew he was going to be in it. They didn't say he was going to be in it. And when asked, like, how they pulled that off, when they got him to set, they literally put, like, a tarp over him so that no one could see. Because people would be like, who's Samuel Jackson playing? Oh, look, there's pictures of him wearing an eye patch. He clearly is playing Nick Fury, you know? So yeah. if Marvel could do it for that, I feel like Marvel could kind of pull it off when with this shit. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I... I would love to see it happen, like, bring everybody in. Right? Bring, bring Jessica Jones back, bring Luke Cage back. Mm, I don't know about Iron Fist. Maybe get a different actor, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so Frank Castle is my number three. Brittany, what's your number uh, two? You, girl, you already know. I already know. I, I was... 
I was waiting for that. I was like, is she not going to put Negan on? <laughs> no, you know I got to put Negan. Like, my thing is, like, when I was, uh, so I streamed, uh, you know, the Telltale games of Walking Dead, and all I could think of was, what if they added fucking Negan? Like, how fucking badass would that have been? But that freaking, like, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about Negan, because it's like, yes, Every well, at least the people I've met, they all love Negan. But it's like I get that he took the show in a very much different direction. Well, kind of the same, but it wasn't really his fault. It was just the way that things kind of continued on. But he was the big bad. He was devastating enough for Tia. She nearly stopped watching. Well, you did kind of just stop watching the show after him. I'm I sorry, Tia. <laughs> you were devastated. Uh, but I don't know. There's something like. I am a big fan of villains that are multifaceted, where they can be good, they can be bad, they can be, you know, and he really did have his good bad points. He was pretty devastated when Carl died, and you would think he wouldn't because it's like, oh, he's going to kill him, he's going to make an example out of all this. And it's like, no, they really bonded, which I think it's a big reason why, you know, I haven't kept up with it now, why, but why he took such good care of uh, Judith because that is the last part of that entire family. I don't know if Rick is dead dead, but, you know, he, he's definitely not taking care of his kid. Um, Rick isn't dead. Um, he just essentially left the show. But they are, believe it or not, making, like, a movie with Rick. Uh, like a TV movie. If Negan's not in it, I don't want it. <laughs> what That's if they so what if they bring back Shane? Okay, that'd be nice, but we all know that ain't gonna happen. I know. I know. I wish. Man, I feel like a party pooper now. But I don't know. I love Megan because he was the first like I remember seeing him and I was like, I don't like him. I don't like him. <laughs> oh god, I like him. Oh no, I'm in danger. I don't know. He was such like a good bad guy to the point where it's like he has his wives he has everything else he's a bad guy he's you know and i love a redeemable bad guy gia <laughs> um with negan right so i was kind of what you calls it i was i watching i don't know if i was watching walking dead at that point because i literally binge watched walking dead uh like all six seasons within like a summer right before season seven came out right but i obviously knew of the walk so i obviously knew of the walking dead um quick little story there i've taken it to you i've taken you to this place right but there's this um restaurant called the bayou in west in the county that i live right and they always have the popular show of that time on say when it comes on and they'll have like drinks that are themed like when true blood was big they had true blood playing and they'd have like true blood themed drinks and food so with the walking dead they did the same so i knew about walking dead and i remember there was an interview with jeffrey dean morgan on some late show right where they're like okay tell us you know your upcoming projects and he's like um i just got cast in the walking dead but I can't tell you who I'm playing. I remember seeing on Twitter, people are like, he's playing Negan. There's no way he's not playing Negan. Because he looks like the guy. (laughs) 
And he does. He does. He's not quite as like big bulky as the other Negan, but he's Negan. I mean, he's got, he's got the swagger. He's definitely got the swagger. Brittany loves Negan. If you guys don't know this by now, like there are. I cosplay Negan. (laughs) She cosplayed as Negan. There are two characters in this world that Brittany loves the most. That is Hannibal Lecter and Negan. That's it. That's that's all I need, Tia. (laughs) I had no chance when that was my first like love interest in any show that I simmed for with fucking Hannibal Lecter and Clarice. So you know what? I, w- I never I never had a chance, Tia. I never had a chance. No, she did not. And I <laughs> I did stop watching The Walking Dead after Nika got... No offense to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He is doing a fantastic job as Negan. I just... That was brutal. It's fine, Tia. Um, it, it was... Uh, he was making spaghetti, Tia. Oh, my God. He's like a spaghetti. Uh, he just had a very interesting method of doing it. Yeah, with uh, with Abraham and Len's brains, apparently. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, uh, that character. That's a good character. It's he's like he has to be probably one of the most iconic TV characters at this point, right? Like I have to imagine. <laughs> Oh, I would too, because, uh, you know, anytime I'm like, oh, Negan, nobody's ever like, who the fuck is Negan? They always instantly know. You know who Negan is. Um, And which, like, begs the question, I wonder what, I don't think it's going to happen, because the next season of The Walking Dead is going to be the last season. But it would have been super interesting to see what the show could have been like if, say, Negan left. But I just don't think that it's possible to have the show. Don't put that evil on me. I don't think it's possible to have the show without Negan. It's like he's the glue right now that's keeping everything afloat. They don't have Rick anymore. They don't have Michonne anymore. I believe they just brought Maggie back. But besides that, it's like, okay, yeah, you have Carol and Daryl. But I always saw them as side characters, not like people who could carry a show. At this point, it's like only Negan. There's Daryl Simps that are going to be coming for you, Tia. Oh, I know. The Daryl Simps are going to be all over. They're going to be like, screw you. I only watch. I literally have gone into stores that had uh, shirts on that said, if Daryl dies, we riot. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sure they mean it. I'm sure they mean it too. Like they <laughs> I bet you they would get Daryl back real quick if the simps got angry. If they killed Daryl and the simps got, you know, a hold of that, it would not be good. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of uh characters like that, um I met a I I met a lady and I said something. And I said, nobody likes Hawkeye. And she looked down and she goes, I like Hawkeye. Listen, <laughs> I'm okay if you look if you like Hawkeye. Just like, don't send me death threats because I don't like don't Hawkeye. Death <laughs> um, but yeah, freaking funny. No, Negan is incredibly iconic. There's been so many fantastic scenes in The Walking Dead with him in it. Um, I do miss Simon. You know I really like Stephen. Oh, August. I know you like Simon. 
You know, I like Stephen August Simon, and I liked his dynamic that he had with Negan. It was like, oh, look at these two badass motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Simon was awesome, though, because Simon was kind of like, oh, we get, you're like, okay, Negan's the bad guy, and you're like, the sidekick's whatever, and then you're like, oh, no, the sidekick, <laughs> the side man. Oh, no. He's horrible. <laughs> oh, no. He's awful. But, yeah, Brittany, A-plus in picking Negan for this. I had no doubts. Um Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, sorry, someone outside decided to start do, revving their bike and everything. It distracted me for a second. My bad. Um, but we are down to the number one of the top ten uh, best TV characters. Uh, of course, as always, I always go through the list before we hit the number one. And we have at number ten, Hannibal. Number nine, Miguel from Cobra Kai. Number eight, Lucifer from Supernatural, not Lucifer from Lucifer. Sorry, guys. I know the Tom Ellis fans aren't going to be happy there. He's cool, too. Oh, no. But <laughs> um, number seven, we have Ravi from iZombie. Uh, number six, we have Al from Deadwood. Number five, we have Technical Boy from American Gods. Number four, we have Shane Walsh from The Walking Dead. Number three, we have Frank Castle from the Netflix Cinematic Universe. Number two, we have Negan from The Walking Dead. Number one may surprise you, Brittany, of who I'm going to pick here. But oh, I was lie. I was trying to pick a character that was like, okay, not a character, like, obviously I love so many characters and be easy to pick, but I was trying to pick a character that's like, I do also love, but also is probably a really fantastic TV character, and it's like, I have to put away my, like, fan-like brain and also pick, you know what I'm saying? Like, be a little professional here. (laughs) And I am going to pick Tyrion. From Game of Thrones. Oh, oh, okay. I see you. I was thinking about it. Um, first of all, Peter Dinklage is an incredibly talented actor. And as much as Game of Thrones has so many fantastic characters in it, I mean, you could just name so many. I had to sit there and pick Tyrion um, because, first of all, thank God he made it alive. By the end of the show, I didn't think he was. I, I thought he was going to be I was like, "This motherfucker ain't gonna make it." When I was watching the final season, every episode that he made it through, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Oh, thank God! <laughs> oh the, my gosh! And at the end, when he made it through, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> um, <laughs> this was unexpected, but I'm happy. But I'm happy about it. So yes, yeah, so the Tyrion. I mean, uh, quick recap for those who, I guess, like, don't watch Game of Thrones, but, you know, Tyrion was the brother of Cersei and Jaime Lannister. You may have heard of them from other podcasts that we've done, and also, (laughs) they were brother and sister, but also lovers, which is really gross. (laughs) Thank you, Tia. Thanks for the reminder. I love Tyrion because he was fun, but he was also incredibly kind. Um, he had a lot of different, like, really great moments in the show. Um, and he also said, you know, Tyrion is uh, played by Peter Dinklage, right? And um, in the show, 
he obviously is, you know, his his stature is made fun of, right? A few times in the show. And he never lets it bother him because he's owned it at this point. And he says it one time to Jon Snow, right? He's like, you being called a bastard gets to you every time. He's like, but someone calling me small never gets to me because I am who I am. And it's like, I love that attitude of his. I loved his whole entire, like, thing. Um, he was the smartest out of the fucking siblings. <laughs> he literally Yeah, went- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that wasn't fucking hard. <laughs> um, he, he literally, um, whatchamacallit, it, went on to become Daenerys' advisor because she trusted him so much. Literally, there's... Okay, so I know that you only watched the final season of Game of Thrones, but a big scene is the Battle of Blackwater, where um, freaking Robert Baratheon's... uh, uh, Robert Baratheon's brother, which now I forget his name, Stannis or something, is trying to attack the capital, and this is when Joffrey is king, Right? And Joffrey, being the little bitch that he is, has no idea what the fuck he's doing in the middle of war because he's a little bitch. And Tyrion really ends up, like, commanding everyone. Like, he's the one coming up with the strategic planning of how to, you know, save their freaking city and protect themselves from not dying. Um, so I love that. I love when Tyrion slapped Joffrey. It was the best scene ever. Amazing. He's doing it. What he fucking keeps doing it. I oh was my God, like, it was the oh best man. Thing. Joffrey's like, I am the prince. I'm gonna tell mother, and he's like, <laughs> and I just remember <laughs> starts bitch laughing him. And I remember the hound just kind of sitting there, just laughing because it was like, you know, you deserve that. By the way, I love that I could hear your keyboard typing. Um, oh, you, I'm sorry. You, I'm getting ready for a stream, and I was like, I'm barely no i was like wow britney's become a, t- a faster typer since last but and that's not me calling you out i was just like i was like oh wow she's become faster um but, <laughs> um really quick with Tyrion, i just love his character so much it's just a great character that I really loved watching Transform throughout the seasons. And, um, you know, one of the best moments to me is when he kills his dad, which sounds really fucked up, but... um, Only slightly. But that was him standing up to his father, you know? He has this... Besides Jamie, right? His family does not love him. Cersei is an absolute horror to him. Tries to get him killed several times. The father consistently tells him that he hates him and that he wishes that he had died. Um, you know, and then even uh, Tyrion's like lover at some point in the show. Well, okay, so not only does not only do you find out that the dad is sleeping with Tyrion's lover, but they also which is to- really fucked, which like, is really- like legitimately super fucked, which is fucked up. But then you know, at some point they make Tyrion marry, um, what you calls it? Oh God, Sansa. Joffrey makes Tyrion marry Sansa, um, just to embarrass him. You know, just to like utterly embarrass him. Which, by the way, I've seen people say this too. You know, because Sansa has also had some really fucked up relationships in that show. 
Tyrion was like the best relationship she had, even though she never was intimate with him. You know, they were technically married. And he was like the he nicest. Was so good to her, though. He, he was never like, forced or did anything bad. He never thought he was like, I will sleep on the couch, like for our yeah. whole entire lives, if that's what you want. Like, I will never, ever force. And I was like, love you. And I think Sansa even acknowledged that in season eight. She was like, you're like the, you were like the best spouse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I think she does tell him that, like, you were the best. And he's like, I'm sorry. Or something like that. Like, you're like, my bad. Well, not for That's nothing. Depressing. Well, not for nothing. One person she dated was Joffrey and the other person she married was frickin' Ramsey Bolton. So, you know, not very good choices. But um, I could go on and on about Tyrion. I just think that he was like the MVP of the freaking show um, out of everyone. He, like, he was the one who kept his principles. Like, do you remember in season eight when he kept trying to tell Daenerys, like, stop being crazy? And that moment when she went full on crazy, he was like, no, you bitch. <laughs> but um oh my god but Brittany, you know before we wrap everything up tonight do you want to tell me what your thoughts are of Tyrion as a character you know with Tyrion, what i appreciated about him was i thought you know i knew everybody was obsessed with him you know when i was working at gamestop when you know game of thrones first came out Everyone was obsessed. You know, they talk about, it's like, that's what I do. I drink and other things. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I drink and other things. I don't know what the fuck this means, but okay. You know, I'm actually getting to see it. And looking back at the clips, looking back at, like, all of his parts, because, you know, I was trying to catch up and get an idea of what was going on before the final season, because I was like, there's no way I'm going to catch up, you know, just like this. And uh, I don't know. I was just like, you know what? I get it now. I get it, which I really liked his dad, but his dad was fucked. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, like Al Swearingen, right? Terrible character, but played really well. Um, So, yeah, so Tyrion definitely is my number one. I just had to put him on there. Um, I really hope to see more of Peter Dinklage. He's just a phenomenal actor. And probably the only thing I liked about the Netflix movie, I care a lot. But... Brittany, before we head out here today, do you have any honorable mentions that you'd like to throw out there? I think I might have picked uh, Odin from American Gods <laughs> and, like, say Sweeney and everybody else in it. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, the governor, but I was like, I can't have too many. I can't have too many Walking Dead on here. <laughs> Pick two. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else, but, um, I mean, there was a ton throughout, like, Benny, but I was like, not a lot of people know Benny, so I was like, I won't pick Benny, but yeah, I could go on and on, there's a lot of characters I loved. Yeah, I mean, I can go on and on as well, um, I had a few, uh, you know, ones out there, uh, going into the iZombie thing, Blaine, obviously, uh, Chase Graves, you know, I love Chase Graves, um, Mad Sweeney as well, Takeshi from Altered Carbon. Um, I would pick Gordon from Halt and Catch Fire. Takeshi was a good one. Um, oh, and, and Gordon. 
and Walt Breslin from Narcos Mexico because we love Scoot McNary. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> those are the top 10 best TV characters. Um, obviously, again, these are more modern. Uh, the, you know, TV's been around for like, what, 100 years. So obviously we can keep going on and on and on and on and on and on, on and pick characters from, you know, like decades and decades ago. So this is more of a modern uh, moment for us, but please let us know, uh, you know, who are some of your favorite TV characters? Brittany, uh, please plug yourself and let everyone know where they can find you and what you got going on. going to say, you could always find me on Twitch at Itty Bitty Brit. I'm going to be playing, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14 lately, which is an MMO, and uh, where you get to make your own characters and, you know, you have a, you can be a dragon lady, and I'm all about being a dragon lady. Um, I'm going to play with a couple of friends, going to have a good time. And if you're ever looking for me on Twitter, it's itty bitty Brit zero. Yes, please. Uh, I'm sorry. I had to mute myself because of course, as we're wrapping, that's when they decide to burn down Yonkers. Um, so, you know, everyone, please make sure that you check that out. Brittany is a very dedicated streamer who, you know, just sacrifices so much of her time to keep you all entertained. So make sure you check that out. As for me, please make sure that you check us out at geekvibesnation.com. It has links to all of our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Vero, everywhere, anywhere in between. Um, we also hit a thousand subscribers on our YouTube page, Geek Vibes Podcast, which is so mother effing cool. Um, make sure you're subscribed if you're not. And we have plenty of awesome content. Um, and as for me, if you want to check me out on my personal social media, Twitter and Instagram, TC underscore star. Um, again, let us know who your top 10 favorite uh, TV show characters are. And we will see you next week with the next top 10. Bye, guys. See you next time, guys. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.